2: Raging, Cajun Nation to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand and let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I
0: love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Yes, let's do it. Y'all ready? Alarm! Alarm! Alar. Ready! Who's your team ready? ready. Who's your team ready? That's
2: up! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Yeah. Yeah. and gentlemen welcome back to the raising review podcast back for some track the pack we got the boys together to talk about cove carolina coming in for three some midweek stuff to discuss we got some guys drafted in the nfl a lot of udfas that we need to give some kudos to also golf won a championship for the first time in quite a while so we'll give them some shout unfortunately tennis's season on both the men's and the women's side ended uh but a successful campaign for both All around, if you consider everything. Gotta say hello to the boys for joining on the uh, a nice Tuesday evening with no midweek games. Gentlemen, how are things?
3: My dog has ignored me ever since I got home. Now she brings me her funky monkey and wants to play. Never fails. As soon as we click this thing going, she wants to play. No, all is good, man. All is good in the hood.
1: Yeah, I've been... um... I've been on dad duty for the last hour, bathing, feeding, putting to sleep, feeding bottles, putting lotion on. So that plus dinner. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been crunch time at the Abear household the last 45 minutes to an hour.
2: Sounds like you got a, a vacuum going back there. You got one of those uh, robot ones that just go off by themselves?
1: No, I don't know what that is. That's weird.
2: <laughs> Total chaos at the Bear household. <laughs> uh, I did see Jerry this weekend at festival. So that was a treat. Wasn't too long, but we were out at Cathedral for the Mitch the Magician show, which was cool for the kids. I mean, wasn't very many magic tricks, but the show was good. A lot of comedy.
1: Festival was a blast this weekend. Uh, You know, I'll be honest with you, I love we we love us some Festival International, but I don't like when they when when baseball interferes with it. I kind of like it when baseball's out of town and festival's in town, so you don't have to pick and choose and try to rush from the stadium to downtown. You know, I kind of rather. I kind of prefer us being out of town on that weekend.
2: Well, especially when you have the number six team in the country at the park, you know, and then yeah. playing at 10 o'clock was weird, but I think I would have enjoyed going to the park early in the morning. And I know that the crowd wasn't, you know, wasn't a Friday night crowd, wasn't a Saturday night crowd, but something different, you know, it was it something cool to do. I know some people were in church, some people were at the festival, uh, but something different at the T, you know,
3: some people had the nerve to talk attendance back.
2: Oh, man. (laughs) Don't get me started. So we'll we'll start the show off with, uh, like I said, golf won a championship, so they won their fourth conference title. This is the first time that they won it in the uh, match play format, first time they actually qualified for the the round of the match play format. First conference title since 2007. First regional appearance is 2012, where they uh, qualified as an at-large. And, you know, that's pretty significant. I didn't see a whole lot of coverage of the golf team, Region Review got involved and wanted to push the team because I had a conversation with Coach Theo in the fall, and he told me that this was going to be the most talented group that he has had since he's been here. He's been here 15 years. I think his first year they did qualify, or they were very close at least, to get into the regionals. Look, Milan Potgeiter just got named All Sunbelt as a freshman. He was the number 14th overall performer uh, with regard to score to par. He was number 14, and he was right at par for the season, which is a pretty substantial accomplishment uh, overall because this league has a lot of good golfers. Look at Georgia Southern. Ben Carr participated in the Masters this past year. Uh, He actually played really well in the match play. Uh, Georgia Southern was the number 26 team in the country, and they're going to qualify as an at-large, and the Cajuns beat them. Uh, They came down. They were down. I want to say we were down two matches. We were tied in two matches, and we were up one, making the turn in that final match play um, round. So we came back in the championship round to win the conference tournament, but we came back in an even more fantastic fashion in the semifinal where you got Jake Marlar coming out of the five hole. He goes 20 holes, two sudden death playoff holes to beat Will Tripp in a pretty exciting match. I watched from about the 11th hole on. Jake was down three holes at the turn, which you guys know anybody that follows any amount of golf knows down three holes at the turn is a pretty daunting task. He did it. He played big time golf down the stretch. He made some great up and downs, hit some huge putts. I mean, that guy was very, very impressive to watch. I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen a lot of Marler since he's been here at UL, uh, but it was really interesting and, and fun to follow some, some high stakes golf in the Sunbelt Conference tournament. And obviously getting the win in the in the final was, was really good, but that semifinal was really where it was at. I mean, clutch putts, big time approaches when you had to have them I think Jake marlar is probably your unsung hero of it all did you guys get to follow any of it
3: yeah I think I th- I had a good feeling and look you said a lot of words there that I had no idea what you're talking about turns and all that stuff I but but it was look again I'll say it again JD did a great job in in, in the commentary helping somebody like me understand what was going on but it was uh you yeah I you kind of had the feeling after they did what they did against South Alabama, that it did nothing but help us and in going into that, that, that championship match, you just felt like he had all the momentum after that. Right. So it was, it was, it was close. And in South Alabama, by the way, is like a staple in golf, in men's golf in the Sunbelt. So that was also impressive. It's not like they were just taking on another, another team. They were taking on South Alabama, who's pretty damn good year over year. So yeah, I, I was impressed and, and you gotta feel good for Theo, man. He's been working so hard you could tell he was emotional he he was he kept the guys loose he talked about that a lot how he kept them loose through the whole tournament and he really thinks that benefited them and uh, hopefully they take that same mindset into into regional play which by the way there is a selection show tomorrow at noon on the golf channel also on ncaa.com so that should be fun to watch
2: yeah and we'll keep you guys abreast we'll send out alerts and everything jared let you go real quick i did think it was interesting that he decided to follow milan around because his his parents were the only ones that weren't able to come because they're South African. You know, it would have been quite the trip. But everybody else had their support systems there. I thought that was an interesting comment. And just, I think Theo's one of us. He's one of us. He's been here forever. He played here. You just got to feel good for a guy like Theo to get this kind of a win. He was very emotional in the postgame presser with Sunbelt.
1: Well, I'm just so proud of the fact that it's their first championship in 15 years. Uh, I was very pleased to see how well they competed in this tournament, Um, you know, when you go up against Georgia Southern, who is, was the clear favorite and you're able to go toe to toe, sudden death with them, literally you play them in the final almost and and, and able to get those key shots in Uh, that it, it just speaks volumes on the team that we had this year. And really just the fact that it seemed like as the season went on, this team got better and they, they really hit stride in this tournament. Uh, the way they competed day in and day out. This is probably the first time I'll admit that I really followed Uh, this team as far as like their, you know, how well they competed in the conference tournament. Cause I mean, last year they finished like what ninth or something like that. And then this year to 11th, yeah, 11th. So to go from 11th and then win it in one year, um, you know you you look at the facility that this that that the program has you know at oakborn you look at the way the, the players that theo has recruited over the last few years it seems like it's a culmination of a few things that has allowed for this opportunity to happen so uh like you guys said i couldn't be any happier for theo man he, he look he he bleeds, Vermilion and white. He's been with this program for a very long time. This means the world to him. You can tell he was getting emotional after winning the championship, and just happy for these players and the way they competed against some really good competition in in Georgia Southern. So, congratulations to the golf team. Looking forward to seeing what they can do in, in NCAA uh, regionals, and it should be a lot of fun. And I'm I'm excited. I'm fired up for this team.
3: And look, we got we can't. I cannot go without saying, the the coach's wife has probably the toughest job. Of, of anybody, I mean, being a coach's wife is not easy. They're away from home a lot. I know they have kids. Sometimes engagements take them away, and 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 the wife really has to take you know take take control of things back at home while he's he's doing his thing. But uh, Mary is actually a diehard Cajuns fan as well. She worked yes sir with me in the baseball office for several years while we were both students. So uh, happy for her as well. I know she was really excited about
2: it. Yeah, it's a good point about the coach's wives' lives. I mean, they. They sacrifice a lot and put up with a lot, and dad's gone a lot, and that's a big deal for all wives. I mean, not just coaches' wives, but so they they make a pretty significant sacrifice for that to happen. Uh, I we gotta say this, you know, for a guy like Charlie Flynn to clinch the title with a with a big birdie putt on 18, the match came all the way down to his putt. Uh, I just thought it was so fitting. He's he's been here for it feels like ever. I think he's a fifth year senior. Charlie Flynn has been a staple of this program for a very long time. These guys have a, had a rough fall. They weren't healthy. They come into the spring, and they they still kind of struggled to get out of the gates. And while they did place a little bit higher in some of the tournaments you expected them to play well in, overall, I think they were disappointed with how the season as a whole progressed. And to just see them rise to the occasion in the tournament, uh, it, it was just great. And I, I got to tell you, so Georgia Southern has dominated this conference in golf for a long time. Three of their top five players, and all three of those players were in their five for the matchup. Three of the five were that in the top five of scoring averages uh, relative to par. They had the number one, the number two, and the number five player average score to par in the conference. Our closest guy was 14, and that was Milan. And then next in line was 28, and that was Eli Ortego, another young guy. I think he's a sophomore this year. And then after that, I think Charlie Flynn was in the 60s. So that just goes to show you those were our three top perform- performers and Georgia Southern had three of the top five of the entire conference. So, so I just thought that that was something worth noting and I thought they played well. It, it was an interesting comment. I thought that maybe it's a lot of, I mean, look, Jake Marlar played, what, 38 holes on Sunday, or I'm sorry, on Friday. So you could have thought, well, look, he's going to get tired. Maybe the team's tired. It's a lot of golf. Georgia Southern was in the clubhouse watching the, the matches. They come out, they look stiff. For a while, first four or five holes, Georgia Southern gets it rolling. You, you think, oh, gosh, look, it's going our way. Cajuns start to fall behind. And then they roar back. Cajuns roar back. And Charlie Flynn said on the interview with Dave, he said, it felt like we had played so much golf. We were just in a groove. We didn't feel like we were trying to get it back. We had a good feel. And it helped them to finish strong. So that was an interesting portion, uh, interesting comment by uh, by Charlie Flynn. And I also wanted to say thanks, for, thanks to Dave for giving the golf team the coverage that they deserved because – wasn't a whole lot of media talking about Cajuns golf before that happened. So great, great to see it. I thought that the classics were great. You know, we all went, well, I went out there and I kind of shared with you all the experience. The classics are getting better. The tournament is really fun. They're trying to make it more customer friendly or patron friendly. I hope going forward, we get a little bit more interest and excitement in Cajuns golf. And this is a, a nice little jump off spot. So go Cajuns. We'll see where we end up. And then once we find out where they are in the regionals, we'll be sure to follow that and we'll keep you guys all. Uh, updated on all those things next thing softball continues to absolutely dominate they go over to conway and sweep the covid carolina beach chickens at home a uh, little bit nip and tuck on there i think it was in game one they won 2-1 i think saturday they blew them away something like like 11 nothing or something and then on sunday it was similar uh I, the girls really didn't mess around with with coastal this weekend they went over there and they took care of business 80 consecutive sunbelt conference series wins train keeps rolling Lauren Allred still hitting bombs. Laney still hitting bombs. We're pitching the lights out of it. Sam was very good. Special K was very good. Maya was great. I mean, what can you say? The same, same names continue to produce. The pitchers seem like they're getting better and better and better. Down the stretch, I just hope we stay healthy because we look like we're firing on all cylinders right now.
3: Yeah, and I think I think Kendra, I mean, it's, it's way early to be talking about it, but she is somebody we are going to miss next year. I mean, she, all she did on Saturday was come in in the second inning and, and pitch a shutout. Not shutout, a no-hitter. Uh, For for six innings, so uh, she's going to be definitely a big hole to fill and um, looking at uh, JMV. He posted something regarding regional Sunbelt predictions from someone who's apparently very in the know and and I think predicted like all 64 teams last last season in the regionals. Um, Louisiana still likely at this point if if the season ended today in his opinion to get a host regional probably like a number 16 uh host seed you know they they like to give those those regional bids out to sec teams regardless of of what their <laughs> what their record looks like in it's comparison true. to ours or, or rpi all somehow you know sec seems to trump everything so uh they, you feel like they got to win out really the rest of the season to even have I a shot so. at hosting which is sad but but true at this point
1: yeah, I think what's frustrating about that is you're right. I mean, the the, the obvious favoritism to the SEC, especially in softball, I mean, they are teams that get in as at-large bids with you know barely over 500, and it's frustrating because if you look at the Cajun schedule, especially in non-conference, I mean, let's be honest, it's one of the toughest in America. I mean, we have a top-10 uh, strength of schedule, and that includes playing in the Sun Belt. So, I'll, I, I mean, I understand we should have won some of those games to start the season, but at the same time, I don't think any team in America can question – who was more challenged going into conference play other than Louisiana? I mean, but it's gonna be, be the
3: same story as it is every year. Well, yeah, their RPI isn't as great or they don't have but they play in the SEC. That's always the caveat, but they play in the SEC. Trumps everything but it's,
1: else. It's easy, but but again, if you're playing in the SEC and your schedule and your in your record is twenty seven and twenty-three and you're getting is in and, and that as an at-large, do you think that's really fair? I mean, that, that's the problem. I don't care if you play in the SEC. I don't it's care if you're not playing fair. Into so you're the taking Big opportunities
3: from, from other teams that have a chance to do really well in the tournament. And you're going to let somebody in with, like
1: you said, a 26 and 23 record go in and go to 0 over two. And the last time I checked, we've beaten three sec teams this year so far. So I don't know if that would really cause any uh, stir up or if that should work against us. If we're looking to be that 15 or 16 seed host. I mean, if you look at our schedule and a non copper schedule, we have three sec wins. So I, look, just right now you've got ULM this weekend beat ULM just you got one win, your one win away from a regular season championship which for a while Marshall was on a roll and then they kind of slipped up a little bit which kind of gave us the we gave us the free pass to go in and take care of business this weekend at home so all we got to do is take care of business keep that streak going which by the way is at 80 now congratulations to the to these to the ladies 80 straight conference series wins dating back to 2013. What an accomplishment. And I'm going to
3: go back to your Marshall comment, though. The reason that they started losing games is because they actually started playing somebody. And, And that was funny to me because they were fluffing their feathers, you know, the whole season. Look at our record, but they played nobody. And now that they're playing good teams, they're dropping games.
1: Well, if you look at their RPI, I want to say it was somewhere in the 60s maybe when they started the season like 25-3 and three or something like that, and their fans could not understand why they weren't ranked. And I'm like, well, who, look, what is what is your RPI? I mean, if you're 25-3 and three and you have an RPI lower than 50, you obviously aren't playing anyone. Not taking away from their success. Look, I love the fact that you have teams in the conference that are winning. It makes our conference better. And in situations that we're facing now to try to host – those teams in our conference that continue to win help us out if we play them and beat them. So you want them to succeed. But at the same time uh, when you see our team ranked in the top 25 and some of their fans are going, why is Louisiana in the top 25? And we're not, it's like, okay, slow your roll. Uh, yes. You have a better record than us right now, but you got a little ways to go before trying to trump where we are as a, a softball program. You, you, you're not quite there yet. No disrespect, but um look, everything turned out. Okay. All we got to do is take one game this weekend. And, um, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to sweep, but you know, one more win you're conference champions and, um, you know, hopefully you you take care of business this weekend and you go into the conference, uh, tournament with some momentum, which by the way is being played at Lampson park this year. So things are looking up for softball. Keep it up. Pitching looks great hitting. We're hitting the ball well against some good, good pitchers. And, uh, I like the way we've responded over the last few weeks. Um, it's it's a great time to start clicking, and and they definitely have done that, especially this weekend at Coastal. Job well done, ladies.
2: By the way, uh those tickets are on sale now. You can start buying the Sun Belt Conference booklets for uh, for the games. They're on sale. I don't know how long they've been on sale, but I saw today that they've been on sale. And to your point about Marshall, I think up in, like three weeks ago, their strength of schedule was two
0: hundred and fifty-two. There know, you
2: don't, go. Don't beat your chest about an RPI. Look the Cajuns have a top five strength of schedule and they have a top 10 RPI. Those things are, you know, they're, they're married to each other. So, well, Josh, God bless Marshall
3: fans. I mean, they're passionate as hell, God but bless. they also came into the football season thinking they'd kick our ass because one guy, you know, showboated or hit their guy earlier. whatever. I don't even remember what it is. Yeah. He hit his guy hit the guy fielding a punt and they thought they'd just destroy us because of that.
2: Yeah, I know. I, God I bless. just think I, there's seven right now. Uh, squarely in the top RPI 100, as according to D1 Softball, seven Sunbelt Conference teams. I I can't remember the last time we had more than three. So the the league is looking up. It definitely helps us in our bid to host. I think that if we keep that 10-ish RPI spot, and we win out and we win a conference championship, and there are no more blemishes, it's going to be hard to keep out a top—I don't know where, where exactly the conference sits overall, but you have to think it's going to be in the top seven or eight, right? With with this many teams in the top 100, it'd be hard to keep out a, a host site from sweeping the conference tournament and totally dominating the conference with a decent RPI. That, yeah, they'll
1: send I, us to Baton Rouge. I mean, I'm just—they'll <laughs> send us. The, they'll find a way to I send. I got us no to problem going to Baton Rouge.
2: I, I don't think that they're all all that good. I don't know where the SEC ranks in RPI. Now, the thing about it is it's already stacked. The deck's already stacked. They, they rank SEC teams high up. It helps them. It's a vicious cycle. It helps their RPI. helps their own conference schedule. It helps them. You know, it'd be like if they just started giving SBC teams, uh, okay, COVID, you're, you're number five in the country. Louisiana, you're number two. Uh, uh, Texas State, you're number 12. The RPI is always going to help itself. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So,
3: so going back to going to back to your comments about softball and, and top 100 RPI, et cetera, and how it's getting better as a league, um, switching gears for a little bit as a league, you just see us getting healthier in all sports, especially all the big sports, because you got to think mainstays in baseball like South Alabama, coastal us force other programs to put money into their program if they want to keep up, not not be, just keep up. Right. You You have UL, Texas State. South Alabama to agree to a degree Troy sometimes again Louisiana has been the leader there other other programs have to have to put money into it and start doing better to even keep up not even win the the league but just to keep up so you you're starting to see that in basketball I know it was Georgia uh Georgia State for a little bit getting a, a little bit of attention and they helped us get better and 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 our basketball as a league is better so um it's just good to see that spreading across all sports and not just saying hey we're great you know we love our football now it's starting to really catch on everywhere else i love seeing that
1: well it adds value to your conference i mean when you look at the the conference shakeups and you look at the four teams that were added the last few years they weren't yes football drives the bus but it helps when basketball's good it helps when baseball's good it helps when softball's good it helps when all these all these other sports have have value to them i mean when we get our podcast with with our friends from southern miss what did they talk about besides football? Baseball. They were talking about you guys have a great baseball conference. The Sunbelt is really well known in baseball. And, you know, as, as Southern Miss fans that are known to have a good baseball history, just like us, they, they, they pride themselves in that. And it, they know that it adds value to their program. So as long as these 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 teams continue to be successful outside of just football, it adds value to the conference as a whole. Um you know, like right now, one of the big projects I think uh, Commissioner Gill is working on is trying to make sure that the basketball gets better, and it's not just a one bid league. I mean, he set a new rule recently that you have to have a minimum of div- so so many Division One home games because he wants to make the conference better as a whole. That allows uh, the net rankings to go up for each team, and that's a good thing that you want that because it adds value to the actual Sun Belt Conference. And if we're trying to add or trying to be in a race to be the best mid major conference out there. I think we're on the right track so far. Uh, You know, there's still a little bit more shakeup to go. um, But but I think in the last year or so, you've definitely seen improvements across the board. I mean, you look at baseball and softball, uh, you know, JMU coming in. I I mean, it's it's fantastic. It's been great. Agree.
2: The girls will travel to Rustonia to play the Nexters. And then we will welcome ULM to the friendly confines of Lampson Park we got some football news to talk about. Our friend Andre Jones, 7th round selection, number 22, oh, excuse me, 223 overall to the Commanders, who we're just going to start calling the, the Louisiana Commanders because they seem to love, they love some raging Cajuns, man, over they love there. They
1: drafting our guys, man.
2: Yeah, so shout out to, to Mr. Jones for being uh, yet another Louisiana draft pick. I think that's five years in a row. Five mm-hmm. or six years in a row we've had a guy drafted. I think he's gonna do well over there. I think he, uh, I, I like Ron Rivera as a coach. I think he's a great developmental coach. I think he puts an emphasis on developing. So I think that uh, I think that's a good place, a good landing spot, and a good defense for him to learn from. Uh, and especially, you know, having having some familiar faces over there with Percy and 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 those guys. You know, I think that's gonna be a great spot for Andre Jones. I hope him nothing but the best. I think he's got an NFL body, and I think he's got a real future. He's gonna to have to work hard because they have some talent on that roster on the defensive side. Uh, But I, I think that he's got a great opportunity to succeed. You guys agree?
1: absolutely he's got the right attitude i mean he was kind of that defensive leader the last few years for 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 the cajuns defense and uh it's good to see he's going to be headed to to washington and to play along our, our good friend percy butler like you said i mean we have a, a cajun legend in brian mitchell that made a name for himself uh, in washington so definitely a lot of louisiana connections like you said it's great to see that and um you know andre is going to do some great things we wish him the best and uh congratulations buddy you're going to the league
3: yeah and i'll i mean just as long as these guys have a chance you know this is this is what they have been preparing literally their whole career for is just to get a chance to be in in the big show so uh, excited for for him and all of the other players and uh, also uh for you know i'm not big on on players who transfer but really excited for Osiris, osiris torrance who uh showed some love during his uh his combine with his shoes, one Louisiana, one Florida. So I uh, hope he does well in the in the big show too.
2: He was not shy about giving Cajun love in his media tour. So I respect guys. I remember where they came from. Saibo remembered that he was developed here. And we were one of the few that gave him the opportunity to be what he wanted to be. So shout out to uh to Osiris Torrance. I think he's gonna kill it. And uh I wish he would have gone to I wish I, I think what I was really hoping that he'd go in the first round because that would have been sick, but he ended up going to Buffalo, uh, another small market team that I root for. It's Catherine's favorite team, so I watch him almost every Sunday. So I'll be able to see a whole lot of Cybo. Uh Coach Lou, we got Coach Lou requesting to speak. Coach Lou, the floor is yours, man. Make your comments.
0: Um, I just wanted to get on and say, you know, I've been following you guys page for a while. I'm definitely proud of what you guys do. There's not a lot of outlets uh, that support the Cajuns uh, the way you guys do. So uh, I just wanted to get on here and say that
2: certainly appreciate that man there was a void for a while we tried to fill it I think we did an okay job but appreciate you saying that
0: right definitely man I'm just really excited uh you know for the upcoming football season uh I was able to uh come here a few months ago continue my my coaching journey and I think you know I think the fan base is going to be pretty excited with the product that gets put out pretty soon for sure
2: I agree uh coach Lou tell the people what what is your uh position on the staff
0: I assist with the receivers under Coach Tim Leje right now. Um, right. Shout out to Coach Tim Leje, you know, for, for, for taking me. And me, myself, uh, I grew up in general, Louisiana. My grandmother used to take me to the, to the Raging Cajun games a long time ago. So we used to go out there. I remember watching Blaine Gauthier, um, the Darius Green, and some of those guys. So, you know, it's really cool for me uh, doing this, this full circle thing uh, in my coaching career which is pretty short, it's only been three years since I got got into coaching, but uh, being able to come here to a place uh, that fought with some adversity, you know, with the transfer portal and the changing of the guard as far as the coaching staff went, um, I believe, you know, that the team still did, they they did pretty well, and um, being able to go through that type of adversity and come out, you know, come out the end of that, that tunnel, I'm not going to say unscathed, but, you know, still standing, that, that, that means a lot to me. For sure. And I think that's going to bode well going into the future.
1: So, so, Coach Coach Lou, I got to give a shout out to, to J Town, man. I got family from there. My dad's from Generette, So, so shout out to Generet oh, yeah. real quick. Uh, dude, I do, I want to <laughs> ask you, um, you know, Josh and I had the chance to go to the spring game this year. And, you know, look, right. the, Everybody was flying around the field. It was a beautiful sight. Uh, And now we know that, uh, you know, Zeon took all the reps, but with Zeon's skills, he was able to air it out a little bit. Talk a little bit about your receiving core and what you saw this spring. I know we had a bunch of guys that left. A few guys went to the portal, a few guys graduated. So I know there's going to be a few unfamiliar faces on the receiving side of the ball, but we know they're very talented. Uh, Talk a little bit about their development. Uh, their development this spring and what do you look forward to and seeing them do in the fall and what can Cajun Nation expect from this receiving core uh, this coming year?
0: Yeah, there, there are definitely some new faces, some new names. There's been some a few injuries, unfortunately, early on during practice. I can't really say uh, specifically a name or two that that will really stand out. I believe you guys are going to you know, be, not, I'm not going to say surprised uh, by Neil. I think Neil uh, Johnson is definitely going to going to be a a focal point and he's he's going to have a big season for sure outside of neil i i think it's it's just going to remain it it remains to be seen but there are definitely going to be some guys that that are going to come to the forefront one of the guys i believe is is going to be lance i definitely believe lance is going to is going to be able to step up and and do some pretty spectacular things this season this upcoming season
2: he certainly ended the season on a strong note and A lot of us were trying to see, you know, what's going on here? Why don't we get more reps to Lance? Because he was just – he was a difference maker when he stepped on the field. Size, speed, athleticism, uh, knowledge of the game. I think that with another year of him focusing only on the receiving portion of the game, I think that he is – I mean, I think that this guy's potential is unlimited.
0: I think – and I think that did have to do with the position change. Uh, I've only been there for a few months, but uh, that is is a, a pretty big change to go through talking about switching over from quarterback to receiver. But he's an athlete. He's an athlete. He's He's definitely the guy that runs the hardest out there at the beginning of practice, the end of practice, the middle of practice. It doesn't really matter what it is. So that should definitely translate to on the field for sure.
1: Yeah. I think one thing I appreciate about Lance is his humility because anytime you, you know, he's a star quarterback. I remember watching him at Warren Easton in new Orleans. And I mean, he was recruited by, I mean, you can name the school and he probably got a letter from them as a quarterback. Mm -hmm. And then for him to go to Maryland, get some play time there, you know, in the big 10 and then transfer here and have to wait his turn and not only wait his turn, but switch positions to a position he's not too familiar with and do it without any complaining, doing it with all the putting in hard work and doing it with humility speaks volumes. And I'm sure uh, that has created sort of a leadership role by him because I'm sure he expects the same type of intensity for his his, his teammates as he has shown so far uh, as a a wide receiver rather than a quarterback now.
0: Right. And that that waiting your turn thing is really big. Uh, You know, obviously with the the transfer portal, um, and there's a lot of guys that you can – attribute that to but being able to wait your turn and I think that uh, attributes to just being the vision being laid out for an athlete, Um and then being able to buy into that vision and you know seeing that end product and just really just you know going going through the grind going through the grind to get to that end that end result that end goal
2: Nick, anything for Coach Lee before we
0: let him go?
3: No, he had music to my ears when he said Neil Johnson. Uh, you know, throw yeah, I've only the been Dan hollering about that
2: for five years.
3: I know, and we did it last <laughs> year with success. So excited to hear! No, appreciate you giving your thoughts, man. We love hearing from I you guys. Definitely
0: have to speak about Jacob Bernard too. Definitely, yes, uh, yes, yes. Jacob Bernard is is just oh man, it's just crazy. Uh, I kind of get excited when we get into one on one because I already know what he's about. He's about to do. If he were, I'd say three or four inches taller, I would say look out. <laughs> but regardless of you know, regardless of his stature, um, he's 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 an he's an amazing player. Uh, he's he's definitely going to open up some eyes for sure this season as well.
2: You think Jacob's going to be in the X or the Z, or where can we expect to see him most?
0: I'm pretty sure he's mostly going to be in the slot. Okay. And there's, there's a couple of guys. There's a couple of guys that, and uh, maybe I might be biased because work with them. But uh Jake, Jacob and Peter LeBlanc definitely uh, you know, they're they're gonna have a lot of opportunities, I'll say they're definitely gonna have a lot of opportunities. And I'm pretty sure they're gonna be able to capitalize on those. You
1: know, one name that uh coach I wanted to throw out there. I mean, he's a local guy from St. Martinville. Everybody knows who he is around here, Harvey Brussard. I know he is I don't I don't think he's enrolled yet, but uh what I mean, looking at his film and looking at the talent he has. Would you say he would be somebody that would have a chance to play? Or I mean, I'm sure you're, you would probably have to see uh, in the fall whether or not he'd be redshirted. But I'm sure you, as well as the rest of the coaching staff, must be pretty fired up to see him come in and uh, see what he can do as well for, and, and contribute to the Cajun offense as well.
0: Yeah, it's funny you say that because I currently live in St. Martinville. So he's definitely a talk of the town, you know, to St. Martinville legend for sure. You know, kudos to Coach uh, LeJay for being able to reel him in and get him here because obviously he had... A plethora of offers elsewhere at the bigger schools as well. You know, he bought in, and and he's here. I can't say because I haven't seen him practice yet. He hasn't. He's not here yet. But I will say, just judging from what I've seen, I've never really seen a bunch of freshmen playing right away. And and not to take away from him, I'm just saying in general, I I've never seen a whole bunch of them. You know, play a lot right away. So I'm not really sure how that's. I'm not really sure how that's going to work. I know uh we can expect for him to contribute uh in some way, shape or form. I just not I'm just not sure how much. Uh I'm just not sure how much that's going to be uh right away. That's fair. That's fair.
2: Will uh will Harvey be enrolled for the fall?
0: Oh yeah, he yes, yes, yes. He'll definitely be enrolled. Some other there's some other younger guys also uh in the, the receiving core that, you know, later down the line I think they're gonna make a big impact. AJ AJ uh J Row uh from Texas is is one Kind of along the same lines as Harvey, uh, build wise. I, I think he's 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 an early lead. I think he's gonna be able to contribute um, next season for sure.
2: AJ just needs some plate lunches. Y'all need to stuff his face full of plate lunches.
1: <laughs> Get some
0: Buddha, man. Think after, I think after a couple of months, he's gonna definitely weight. <laughs> nah, look. In he's order to <laughs> play, but I love I love AJ, man. I I, I love AJ. He, he's definitely a hard worker, and he, he's he's extremely talented as well.
1: Well, I tell you, man, I'm excited to see uh, the offense this year. Um, I know we have a lot of potential. We've got a lot of young talent, and it's good to see our offensive line is healthy again. And, you know, right. make the sign of the cross here that they stay that way, because I know last year we were off to a little bit of a slow start because they are sort right. of the, – they they are the front line. I mean, they are – they they're, they're kind of that locomotive that makes the the train go, so – um, hopefully Great. they're healthy. I saw we have depth in the offensive line, which I'm sure in the skill positions it makes you guys ecstatic because it helps you kind of free free your game plan a little bit.
0: I will say this before I get off. I, I know I work with the receivers, but I think the position group I'm most excited about uh, are the running backs, without a doubt. On well, on the offensive side of the ball, it's it's, it's just really deep. It's it's really deep as far as that that talent goes. Um, so that's going to be pretty exciting to see, definitely.
2: Is this the healthiest Kabodi's been since he's been here?
0: I'm not sure, but he goes into that that depth as well. Kabodi, Zaylin, Terrence—like it's 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 going to be pretty exciting. I can say that for sure.
1: I you love really it. can't
0: go wrong with any, with any of them. Draylin as well. Draylin, yeah, Weston, so that's yeah, true.
1: can't forget oh, about man.
0: Him. Yeah, you can't forget about Look, him. Look, hey.
1: I'm going to hold you to it. I'm going to expect to score some points next year. We've got a lot of good skilled players uh from what yes. we saw in the spring game. We've got some depth and I'm sure we got some new talent coming in as well that are that's going to contribute that isn't even that Right, even there's even yet.
0: more. There are some freshman guys coming in uh Big Bill Davis as well. So but I if I had to it, if I had to place a bet, you know, I hope nobody else uh <laughs> it's not this down for me saying is the most talented group definitely the running back group. Like the running is just, I can't even really put it into words. And they're they're a selfless group too. Uh, that's 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 the biggest takeaway for me. That they're, they're a real selfless group.
2: Well, we're no stranger to having a good and deep running back room here so we've been we've been blessed over the last we've been 10, spoiled years. <laughs>
1: we've been kind of so, spoiled with our running backs i mean most of them go pro yeah. or at least get a tryout with an nfl team so we've been kind of you know yeah, this last year we
0: have some more of those for sure um yeah in my opinion i, I think we'll definitely have a couple coming nice. up.
2: well coach Lu, tell the boys that we're excited for the season chomping at the bit can't get can't wait to get after it remind mike that the tight end is always open and Neil Johnson needs <laughs> – he needs 80 catches, 80 catches, 150 targets.
0: Man, hopefully we can still – we can pack the stadium. I would that's – one, that's one thing I would like to see more of, just going back to my time with my grandmother back in the playing Gauthier days, just seeing more people come out to support, man. Um, I'm not sure what it is. I don't know what the disconnect is. But I remember – I remember when the school was ranked and I was like, there's still – it wasn't up to the capacity that I thought, it, you know, that it should be. Um so not sure, not sure what's up with that. Trust
2: me when I tell you we're working on it. Oh, we're doing we, yes. everything we, we can possibly definitely. do. We're just a couple yeah. of dopes on a podcast, but we try hard.
0: And I appreciate that, man. These, these guys definitely deserve the support of all of Lafayette, uh, surrounding areas as well, too, man. You know, looking at the the other Sunbelt, and I don't like really looking at those guys, but just looking at, you know, the other Sunbelt uh, schools and their attendance and their support it's just, I don't know, it's, it's different uh, for us and it's been like that. You know, it's been like you guys know it's been like that for a while. So I'm not sure what the issue is.
2: I, I think once Mike gets this thing on the road and he starts getting some momentum, it's going to be HUD-like because at the end of the day, right. Cajuns love their own, and Mike is certainly one of that one of their own of one of our own. So once he gets it rolling, you know, last year was it is, is what it is. People don't even know what he dealt with. I mean, there were so many things. Uh, but this yeah, year is different. Lot. This is, you know, he said multiple times to me to other people, this is a different situation he's got foundation laid he's got uh you know familiarity he kept the coaching staff intact for the most part he's got players that he knows he can rely on he's got leadership that he knows is going to hold the rope we're going to be fine I know we're going to be fine so right, I appreciate your time thing. very much man I hope th- on nothing but the best everybody stay healthy tight end tight end tight end
0: <laughs> okay then. Thank
2: all right you. all right coach Lucia
1: thanks coach that was a nice treat that was a cool
2: surprise and and it- staying on football for a second yeah. Uh, you know, we had some UDFAs. Chris Smith goes to the Seattle Seahawks. John Stevens Jr. goes to Dallas. Gross, but Ugh. glad to see a Cajun get a, a professional opportunity. Hopefully he, you know, gets really good and gets traded to the Saints because we need, well, actually our wide receiver room is getting pretty good. Or
3: literally anyone except for Atlanta.
2: Yeah, That'd literally anyone. Uh, Lumpkin, our boy Johnny Lumpkin, tight friends you. Signs with the Pats.
1: Going to play with old be. Belichick.
2: Yeah, I don't know who's he going to be catching passes from. Is it the uh, Zappy guy Mac, or is it going to be Max? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so we'll figure that out. Uh, and, then, and then Belichick's going to be like, good job, Johnny. Yeah, great, we're, great we're
2: coach, on Johnny. We're on to Cincinnati. or <laughs> gone to Cincinnati. Eric, Eric Garrick signs with the Titans, and I think that he is going to surprise a whole lot of people. Uh, I just can't wait to see him get his opportunity. That guy deserves every ounce of, of I don't know. He, he is, pound for pound, one of my favorite players that ever came here. Uh, Reese Burns, our boy. 14th overall selection to the Montreal Alouettes. 14th overall for a punter. That's, that's pretty awesome. I don't know. Maybe we, wow. have to look, we have to look at the Canadian record books. Is that the highest a specialist has ever gone? Because that would be a pretty nice uh, write-up that we could do on, on Reese. Uh, and then those are our UDFAs and CFL guys. Football is it's, it's not that far away, but it feels like forever away. And I'm just happy to see all of our guys get the opportunities they deserve you know, even though they're undrafted free agents, what is it? Like 20% of the league is undrafted free agents? Of course, like yeah. 40, 40% of the Super Bowl was undrafted free agents. I mean, those are the guys that work hard. They do the dirty work. They, they do special teams. They show themselves to be grinders. I really root for UDFAs, especially, of course, if they're Cajuns.
1: Wasn't J.J. Watt an undrafted free agent? Can't be. Can't be. Yeah, I think J.J. Watt was one.
2: He's a mutant.
1: I mean, I'm just, just saying. <laughs> I'm just
2: saying. Nick, you, uh, Nick, Nick, we got to look that up. There's no way, right?
3: I I don't know. Um, make Jerry look it up. He's the one who made that baseless claim.
2: Yeah, Jerry, you're going to have to look that up. You got to back <laughs> me up here. That, there's just no way that dude wasn't drafted. Do you know
3: how to Google Jerry? Do you need
1: me to show you how to do it?
2: <laughs> well, why'd you do okay,
1: that? Okay, yeah, I totally botched that. He was the first was round. The first the first round. I was about <laughs> to
2: say, the guy's like... It was like 69 ran a 428. Oh
1: Jerry. Could bench
2: press a house. No oh,
1: There was anyway. somebody who played defensive line that was an undrafted free agent that that lit it up. I forgot who it was. If you
2: just said like DeMarcus Ware from Troy or something, that would have been something. No, DeMarcus that I Ware believed. was
1: not um, I'm going to look this up now because I, I of course I botched it. So <laughs> Andy, I have to
2: Andy said it. JJ White was a first rounder. Yeah. Man,
1: we need need another
3: guy with with a J in his name.
2: (laughs) We need to get a uh, we need a we need a uh, research department here because we can't just say stuff like that. (laughs) So anyway, guys, on on the same on the same note, you know, we're talking football here. So we'll we'll just stay a little bit longer. We had some big news on the last day of undergraduate uh, transfer window. uh, Trey Amos, who mostly consider our or most people consider our best cornerback, decided that he's going to test the waters and. Put his name into the transfer portal. I'd like to get you guys' thoughts on that. Uh, I'll, I'll go first, just set the table. You guys know I've liked Trey Amos since he signed here. Uh, I love his size, but I liked his makeup. I liked the way he played the position. I also pay may, way more attention to the defensive side than I do the mm-hmm. offensive side. I, I just, he, he had all the measurables. He, he did everything that I thought that an NFL cornerback would do. Uh, the hips were there, the reaction there. The the uh the instincts everything, I don't know long arms uh everything that you would want in a cornerback. I thought he hits he, he struggled with some physicality maybe early on maybe he just wasn't quite as big, but when he went up against Dell in the in the Independence Bowl at the end of the season he showed me something even more than I already liked in him, and and Mike said he had one of the best springs on the team. I was excited about that. I thought this might be his breakout year. And then we find out on the day, the very last day, we find out on the very last day to put his name in that, uh, you know, he's going to be transferring and we've all heard rumors and we know that there's been some coaching, some coaches sniffing around in the Lafayette area. So who knows what happened, but we have a pretty decent idea of what happened. I hate to lose Trey. He's been one of my favorite players. I love cornerbacks. Now, I will say that I understand the business. I will never, ever, especially after these coaches have gone around the country and made millions of dollars and exploited their time at certain universities to enrich themselves, I'm never, ever going to blame a kid for going and trying to make money for himself or his family or whatever. I'm I'm not going to even go near that. But I can say as a fan of a small university, and I'm sure other fans are feeling the same way across the country, when you have a player that you really start to... Be attached to and somebody you follow, and then they just leave. It starts to erode at your fandom to a certain degree. It, it starts to, it makes you ask the question, why am I, you know, why do I even follow this stuff? I can't even get to know these guys anymore, which was kind of like the bedrock of rooting for teams for the longest. I mean, as long as I've been involved in collegiate athletics or are watching. So I'll tell you from a fan point of view, it really sucks. I'm, I'm devastated a little bit. I mean, that's kind of a, that's kind of like overhyping it, but I, I'm. I hate to see him go happy to see him go and, and make the best of his opportunity. Hope to see him in the NFL one day. Uh, but that's my thoughts on it. And you guys can take it from there.
3: So I used to be at the same opinion, Jer- uh Josh, uh, I really, and then you lose eight or nine guys. And then you start, that starts wearing on you a little bit. And look, I'm with you. I, I'm not in a position where somebody's offering me hundreds of thousands of dollars or whatever it is to go somewhere. I'm, I, and, and as a 20 year old, I mean, hell, at our age, we we take it and run, right? So I I don't know what that's like. I don't know. I understand the thought process. But after a while, I'm just almost numb when these kids get on social media and say, you know, thank you to all the fans and thank you to the coaches. You're building something special, but I'm out. I mean, don't say it. Be honest. Say, hey, I got offered more money and I'm gone. I mean, at least be honest about it, right? Because because. You you hear rumblings of 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 things, and then you hear a, a coach from um, the state of Ron DeSantis is is talking to him, and then all of a sudden, on the last possible minute and the last day, the guy's gone, right? And then you have thirty seven offers popping up on on Twitter, including the school across the basin, right? Out of nowhere, just magically within the the thirty minutes from him posting it, he's got thirty seven offers. Pretty impressive. I don't know how you do it. So. Again, I, I don't fault the kid, but the, the thing of me saying, you know, I wish you the best and best of luck, I'm kind of over it at this point, point. and that's just the fan in me, uh, you, as it keeps happening, because get used to it, it's going to continue happening, and my fear is, same as Terry Johnson, who said it, that we're going to just turn into a test, like a JUCO, a, a test league for the big boys. A and when they say, system. Oh, this guy, yeah. Oh, this guy's good. Well, let, give him a hundred thousand offer him to come over here. There's no regulation by the way, because it's clear. I mean, even sec guys are saying there's tampering going on. Nothing's being done. So I don't know how you control it. I don't know what rules you put into place, but what it does is, is, and, and coach Lou was saying it earlier. We need more people in the stands, but you can't even get attached to players anymore. Cause you don't know if they're going to be here one year, two year, four years. And I get, I get Coach Dez's, he, he, hes not wanting to hit the portal and want to build guys up from the from the bottom. But you might need to reconsider that because other teams are getting those that, that talent from guys who are in the portal and maybe not getting getting time, um, you know, sitting on the bench and and not getting playing time. So I I don't know, man. I don't have an answer. None of us have an answer. This is just my rant on the fact that I really like the kid and I looked at him as a leader on defense. And on the last possible day to screw your team, you're out it, you know, I, it's a business at this point and it's not going to get better. It's just going to get worse until it gets better. If it gets better. I don't know if it'll get better. It won't get better until teams like the one across the basin are affected negatively. As soon as teams like that, it hurts them. Then all of a sudden you're going to see regulation. And you're going to see people throwing their hands in the air. So.
1: Look, I, I wish Trey the best of luck. Uh, it's the name of the game these days. It uh, doesn't mean I like the game. doesn't mean I enjoy the game. doesn't mean I enjoy watching you know some of our best players leave to go to bigger schools because they really, I hate to say it, but they're chasing money um, and, and have tracing better opportunities, which I understand. Uh, I, what I don't like is uh, overall what this – you know we always talked about Pandora box has been opened. Uh, the frustrating thing about Pandora's box is it has turned into a minor league system. We are the AAA affiliate of the P5. I mean, that's what we are. And when you look at some of these schools that, I mean, you know, the school across the basin, for example, started basically a subchapter of TAF that is dedicated to donating money to create a pool, a money pool for players to have NIL deals. So they stay around, so they don't leave. Uh, You've got players that haven't even started for a team now asking for so much money through NIL to where that. You know, if they don't get the money they ask for, they go into the portal and leave. So the the loyalty factor, the commitment level is just it's so up in the air and it's so volatile that even as a coach, if I'm recruiting a player, you know, what type of approach do you take? Do you take the approach of if if, if I pick this guy over if this guy came to my school over a P5, can I trust that he's going to be around for two years? You know, it's a very different approach that coaches take now, I'm sure, and hope that they they stick around. Um, I mean, you look at what happened at Colorado. I mean, Coach Sanders, fifty-one players jumped into the portal after 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 the spring game, which he I know he kind of wanted to do that, but still, hearing that number, fifty-one players, and I understand the team went one and eleven. I know he's trying to be in a win now mode, but the concept of hearing that fifty-one players in the portal—that's a—I mean, that's that's half your team. That's more than half your team. So that's kind of what that's kind of what college sports has turned into, or especially college football, and. For fans like us of mid-majors, it's very difficult to, to, to really get involved and invested because, you know, we don't have a, a $30, $40 million TV budget to where we get a jump start. We don't have donors that give millions on hundreds of millions of dollars at any time to build new facilities and get what we want. Uh, even those schools are having those problems. I mean, look at Texas AM. Texas a and players leaving, and they were pretty much the kings of NIL for a little while. So it's so all over the place and it's so unpredictable, even for your bigger schools that, like you said, Nick, I, you know, yes, maybe a bigger school may be affected by it, but there's big schools already affected by losing players. I mean, the starting quarterback at Alabama this coming year was a starting quarterback in Notre Dame. Where do you, how do you stop? How do you stop it? What, what do you do? I, I don't, I. I really don't know. But from a donor standpoint,
3: okay. Let's say I'm a I'm a multi-millionaire, I'm a billionaire, and I give money like for Tita for Houston, he built a freaking arena for them. That's his arena. He gets to do whatever the hell he wants in his arena and he's putting money into the program to get an addict. I get that. But it's still not technically his arena, but that's his damn arena. Okay. So if I'm a billionaire, am I gonna go I, I'm not even a billionaire. Let's take it down a notch because those guys can throw money around and it doesn't matter. But if I'm a guy who has, you know, a few hundred thousand that I can that I can you know dilly dally with instead of investing that and getting an actual return on my money, what are you truly giving, getting in return for throwing not throwing money away, but giving kids money every year, buying kids in the portal, getting them to come to your school, and let's say you don't win a natty in five years, how much more, how you know how many hundreds of thousands of dollars are you just gonna freely get a, give away and not get anything in return? So I feel like there's somewhat of a bubble that's coming. Because right now it's new and it's fun and you're stealing all the players and you get to, you know, brag about it. But five years of doing that, I'm not, I don't care if I'm a billionaire. I'm not just giving money away to give money away. I want something in return at that point. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out too. Because you have to think there's no real return of investment in just giving money away outside of winning a natty in a sport. Like you're not building, you're not having your name on an arena. You're just giving money to kid who may or may not work out and may ride the bench. What happens if he rides the bench? Are you going to put pressure on that coach to play him?
1: And then he does, and then what? Well, part of the issue, too, is you're not just paying players to come to you. You're paying players to stay so they don't leave. You're, you're, you're giving money through NIL deals so they don't go transfer somewhere else. You're doing it to keep them comfortable at the school you're at. Again, the school down the road has has a legitimate fund that donors can give to to make sure that their players don't leave just so they just, you know, cause all it takes is one player to say, well, coach promised me I'll play for, uh you know, seven or eight games. I've only played for three. I'm getting in the portal. I'm leaving. I mean, it's so fickle right now that I, again, it's, 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 it's just crazy, man. And, and unfortunately, if you want to win championships and you want to compete, you got to put money down for that because those are the athletes, those are the players. And I understand the other side of the argument. These players are ambassadors to your school. They're the ones that are, Going on the field and 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 playing and doing all that other stuff. But at the same time, there has to be a balance. And there's no balance to it right now. Uh I, I don't know how the NCAA can regulate this anymore. I mean, heck, we know there's tampering going on when players get into the portal and a day later they're getting offers. You don't just make a 24 hour offer, you know, those type of things are not coincidental. I mean, let's be honest, around the country, there's a lot of tampering going on, but there's nothing they can do to stop it. You know, and that's, I've said this 20,000 times before this all happened. Nobody said guidelines. They just kind of said, okay, go ahead, do what you got to do. No rules. Well, here we are.
2: There's no enforcement arm. There's no, there's no no guide rails. No, NCAA is useless. I agree. I agree with Nick saying that it's going to change. It's, it's going to, it's, it's a balloon. It's, it's a bubble. I agree with that. But the risk for smaller schools, G5 schools, even smaller P5 schools, and like, you know, bottom feeder Big 10 or Big 12, AAC whatever. They're at risk too for becoming a farm system. That's a I believe that that's a real thing. And I think it's going to continue to happen because there's absolutely nothing you can do when, you know, you recruit a guy from a small town that didn't get a lot of offers, you develop him. He makes a splash on a national TV in a game or he kills it at a camp or whatever. Word gets out he had a good spring. LSU comes down the road says, "Here's a here's 80 grand. You want to come play for us?" Well, we can't do that. We can't do that for 100 kids for football and 15 kids for basketball and 35 guys for baseball. We, we just can't. They can. They have the collective. They have their money. And to, to Carson's point about, do you guys think that the businesses in Lafayette are buying into Cajuns, uh, the Cajun program enough to put NIL money towards players in the program? Lafayette is bigger than some of the Power 5 cities. Look, man, the businesses in this town don't even buy in enough to support the team as it is. Our Cavs should be triple the amount that it is, and a third of that should be businesses. We don't have a sales force going around knocking on doors. We never have. So how are we going to put together a a collective for NIL money and NIL investment? We've done a a few things. You know, the Russos have done, well, Jackie Russo has done something. Uh, Now they have this open doors thing that I I don't know exactly how it works, but apparently it links NIL uh, potential uh, investors with individual players, which is very hard for me to understand because schools are not supposed to be involved in the financing aspect of it all. So how can you promote that? I don't understand that at all, but no, as it stands, Lafayette doesn't Lafayette, the Lafayette economy, Lafayette businesses don't already uh, support the Cajun program. None of them the way they should. If they did,
3: we'd have a football stadium already. We'd have a locker room. (laughs) We'd have the,
2: we'd have the batting cages done for Lanson Park. We wouldn't be behind the, the eight ball the way we are. And look, Things have changed a lot here. This isn't a service oil field industry anymore. It's a technology, and it's a a medical hub. Now, it needed to be that way. Things have changed and things evolve. But to answer your question, no, I don't think that the money is there. I don't think the support is there. And a lot of the reason for it is because we haven't facilitated it.
3: Well, it's just, I mean, for me, it's scary because you you have to worry about NIL. Where are you going to get the money for that? You got to build a stadium. Where are we getting the money for that? Oh, and by the way, we have to come up with $9 million for our budget.
0: I yeah, don't we're want still to be trying
3: the
2: to, we're still I still trying don't to trying feel of that
3: yeah, I don't want to be the ad that has to deal, navigate all this stuff because you were asking how 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 does it end? I don't know how it ends, but how do you stop it? My fear is that the way you stop it is the five conferences that are being most affected negatively by this say we're gonna take our cookies and go home and by the way, there is no transfer portal between whatever league we're creating. And the power five. So only our players is, are our players. And only thing is
2: because of the Supreme Court ruling, it would be against the law. Yeah, you, have well, to allow, you have to allow players to monetize themselves.
3: So I don't know. I don't know. Good point. <laughs> so it's, I just, I, it's, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to end up, but as a fan who's been, you know, a fan of this sport and this university, and, and you always felt like you're behind the eight ball and trying to catch up. And when you finally think a couple of years ago that you've caught up and you're there, and then you just get knocked down over and over and over again, and there's nothing you can do about it, it's, it you, you wonder how much longer you want to deal with the heartache or just move on and not care anymore. You know That's the sad part. When you have diehards who are like, is this even worth it?
2: I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say it hasn't crossed my mind. What are we supporting? We don't even know these people. We, they're here for a year or two, get developed, and they go. You know, we, these are pillars for, especially for a G5 like us. These are pillars to what we're going to try to do the, the next season and, you know, what kind of offense we're going to try to run, what kind of defense we're going to try to run. You know, you get a guy like, uh, I don't know, just say we, we lose a couple more DBs. You got to completely change your entire defensive strategy. What, what kind of pressure does that put on a coaching staff? What kind of coaches can you attract to your school if they know I only get these kids for a year or two and then they leave? You know what I mean? It just affects so many different things and we're still learning about it all. We don't even know. We just know the surface level stuff that's occurring right now. But, look, Trey, I like Trey. I like him personally. I liked him as a player. I hope him nothing, nothing but the best. This is not exclusive to Trey. It just really hurts because I really, really like Trey a whole lot and I thought he was going to be a cornerstone of this defense this year. I heard Mike talk about how great his spring was. It's just It's just a punch in the gut, man. And that's it's just yeah, it's I mean, just college sports nowadays. It's, just, it's again, just all it is.
1: It's a symptom of what we're dealing with. And, and nothing against Trey. I wish him the best of luck. I hope he lands at a good spot. And I hope he has a chance to to, to shine. I, you know, I, I wish him nothing but the best. He was a great player for us, a great ambassador for our our program. And I, I hope he does well. Um, but it's a it's there's there's big problems out there for the way that this whole portal thing's being handled. I mean, I don't think anybody can deny uh that that there needs to be some type of cosmic shift to create some structure and create a little bit more, um not going to say rules. Well, I'd say rules, but just more, sh- just, just a little bit more structure that to where this thing isn't all chaotic um because it's, it's getting, it's getting out of hand. And, and I tell you, and,
3: I tell you one way easy right now that I just thought of that you, you not prevent it, but you slow it down a little bit. Maybe how about if you, if you have an NIL deal with the school and you leave to go to another school, you got to pay that back. Now, I know you're just going to get more NIL money from a donor to pay it back. But at least the school is getting money for the next guy. Right. Same thing with so, scholarships. You leave. If you're, on you scholarship, pay back.
2: if you're on scholarship and you transfer, you have to pay the scholarship back. All yeah. of it. Not if you're here two years and you're on scholarship two years, the school gets refunded.
3: Yeah. And again, it's not going to stop it because kids are just going to get a donor to pay for it. That's fine. School's getting the money. They can turn that
1: over and and give that to someone else. Mm -hmm.
2: I like the answer.
1: And you know what? If if, but if that's the case, Nick, that you say a donor is going to pay for it, donors are going to be tired of paying for it. It's like almost like giving a loan out, right? Well, it will. Like they will. I mean, because again, no ROI, right? (laughs) Yeah. What's your return? After a while, those donors are going to look at this, especially at the P five level, going, "Well, sheesh, man, how much money are we going to have to donate to?" to, to, to get these players to, to stop leaving, you know? And then you have to
3: realize you're donating to a school that has a hundred million dollar budget. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. And, and and only one team every year wins a natty in any Mm -hmm. sport. So again, all these people who are giving money, where's your return on investment? That's going to get old quick.
2: Right. Yeah. I agree. Last thing on Trey, one word answer. Okay. Last thing. And then we're going to move on. More disappointed if he ends up at which school?
1: School across the basin in Gainesville. Mm, I'd probably say Gainesville. Nick, I say Gainesville.
3: Disappointed across the basin, pissed off Gainesville. Because that one you saw coming.
2: I, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna say Gainesville.
1: I'm gonna say Gainesville because they, I've had you know, it. I've had it with him.
2: I've had yeah, it with the. Uh, the no. I've had it with the cherry picking of our players. I ha, I've had it. I'm I mean we're be, just gonna we're call disappointed him disappointed if he ends up in Florida.
1: I mean at this point we're just gonna call him the the Florida Raging Cajuns. I mean that's what they've become. I mean they're 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 Raging Cajuns 2.0. I mean you look at their some of their some of their better players, they they you know in their coaching staff, they came from Lafayette. And, and I get it, but it's at at the same time, it's like, man, like you've poached enough of our guys, you know, go somewhere I else. Mean, the problem else.
3: is you had recruiters that did what they did here. With players who are going to the NFL or currently in the NFL, and you're telling me you go to a school like Florida and you can't find players to play for you?
1: That's really hard
3: for me to believe. That's lazy is what it is. It's lazy and it's dirty.
1: dirty. Well, here's part of the problem, though. From this is this is a speculation and rumor that I heard. But look, they have to mint. I heard Florida has to mint some relationships with local high schools because the previous coaching staff didn't have any relationships with the previous high, the Florida high schools. So poor guy. Know. So oh well, well I mean I agree. I, I agree. He first I, he couldn't get any coaches, so he had to take hours. Then he can't get now he can't get players, so he has to take hours. Why is that a problem? But 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 that but that but to my point, and I'm glad you said that. But to my point is you signed up for that. You you signed on the dotted line and said I will take on the challenge, you know. I mean, if you know you have to mend relationships at local high schools in Florida or local high schools in the area to get athletes to go there, you go mend the relationships. Stop poaching our players, <laughs> you know. <laughs> what
3: happens if he finishes last in the S, in the in the division this year? We and have a party because year? he's fired. He's fired. He, he's
2: done.
1: Yeah. So
3: when, I mean, so so that did a lot of good, <laughs> and you're going to have a lot of coaches that are looking for jobs.
1: Guess I'm tell you right guess now? Guess
3: whose door they're going to be knocking on.
1: Yeah,
2: well, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm dancing on the grave. If it happens, I'm dancing, so y'all can get mad at me already because that's happening. I know y'all love Billy, not y'all too, but there's a lot of people who are going to listen to this that love Billy, 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 Billy. Billy has screwed this program over probably more than he helped it. I'm sorry. It's the truth. Well,
1: I'm in the middle, man. I love what Billy did for us, and I am I wish them well at Florida, but after a while, enough's enough. It's like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> you you You're coaching the Florida Gators. You can go find any coach you want. You can go find any player you want. Like, and I understand this is sort of your comfort zone, but please stop making our school your comfort zone. Like you're, you're, you're the Florida Gators head coach, man. Come on now. <laughs> you, Look, there's a you, lot of talent around America you can go find rather than coming to Lafayette. You can like Dr. Ice.
3: Jekyll, but hate Mr. Hyde. All right, They nothing wrong with That's that, a good way in of my it, opinion.
1: That's yeah. <laughs> very true.
2: Yeah, well, anyway, before we get into baseball, let's do sponsors, Nick. Personally, I want to shout out Lafayette Roofing and General Contractors, licensed and insured, locally owned and family operated. Our buddy Darren Dome is a proud UL alum, RCAF supporter. Lafayette Roofing is certified with the BBB, Better Business Bureau. Reminder, if you haven't inspected your roof for damage with the wild weather we've been having over the last couple of years, and it's spring, so you definitely don't want to spring a leak, make sure to check for sagging, signs of water damage, dark spots, holes, cracked or torn shingles, large amounts of shingle granules in your gutters, persistence of rot, mold, or moisture. Darren and the crew has three different options for financing available for you. Also, they offer exceptional interior and exterior painting and sheetrock services. Over 10,000 satisfied customers. Cannot be wrong. Give Darren and the crew a call today. 337-237-ROOF. That's 237-7663. Or visit them on the web, lafayette-roofing.com. Also, thank you very much to Patriot Steel Group. Chris Russo and the boys over at Patriot Steel Group have over 100 years combined in the oil and gas industry. The guys over at Patriot Steel Group would like to thank all RCAF donors and encourage anyone who is considering to give any amount that they can to support our student athletes and their mission to promote our great university to please do so. They were founded in 2021 and they have been a great Raging Cajun sponsor, uh, Raging Cajun's baseball sponsor ever since that. Uh, They do the rosters, the game cards, and they also have a very nice logo out in right field. So if you've gone to the Teague for the last two years, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Please give Brandon Gallet or Reed Barbier a call at 337-443-9296 or visit the Patriots Steel Group LinkedIn page for more information on what they can do for you. Gordon McKernan Injury Attorneys, the official injury attorney of the Ragin' Review podcast. Offices in Lafayette, Alexandria, Lake Charles, Monroe, Shreveport, Zachary, Denham Springs, Gonzales, Hammond, and of course their headquartered office in Baton Rouge. Remember when you go with G, you get the G guarantee. If they don't win your case, you owe them absolutely nothing. Thousands in NIL deals assist athletes with everything from promoting their personal brands to networking within the business world. They've done that for Raging Cajun athletes and lots of athletes across Louisiana. Give them a call if you need today, 888-532-1573. GetGordon.com on the web, GetGordon.com. Get Gordon and get it done. Thank you very much to our great sponsors and great Raging Cajun athletic supporters. So, baseball has been interesting over the last couple weeks. Had a couple of midweek games that we started using the committee as phrased by our good friend, Mr. Cajun Vic. And by the way, shout out to Jerry for going hat backwards tonight. I'm sure he's like triggered so hard right now. Oh, my God. They're both wearing their hat backwards. How
1: dare hey man. you? What's funny is I've always worn my hat backwards. I just never done it on the pod. So I figured why not get a little make a fashion statement tonight.
2: Jerry caught Vic staring at him. So now he wants to poke the bear.
1: Not really. I just felt like wearing my hat tonight. <laughs> but if you want to go with that, that's fine. Let's do it. Why not?
2: Got a bad haircut? You got to hide it? I do that sometimes.
1: I got a good haircut, actually. Just, just in the mood of where well sure i sure about having. that, Jerry? <laughs> hey, I, my, I, y'all saw it last week. It looked pretty good. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you hater.
2: So Southern comes in on last Tuesday. Uh, you know, Southern is what it is. RPI 260, somewhere in there. Not much to write home about. We did score 10 runs. I think we were up 9-1 to or 9-2 to after maybe four or five innings. Rawls starts, which was absurd to me, but I understand what they're trying to do. We saw Carson Fluno come in, I think, in relief. Oh, no, I would think it was Toit. I think Toit came in and then Fluno. Correct? Yeah. So, Toit looked good, through. I think, maybe 19-20 pitches, looked fantastic. Fluno comes in, hits a couple guys, walks a couple guys. I think we ended up giving up five. Yeah, we won 10-5. Deggs was pissed after the game, said that we didn't look ready to compete. Uh, you know, the intent wasn't there. We gotta stop giving away free base runners. I think we still gave away seven Six or seven free base runners in the game against Southern. Team, you got to dominate. I think we mostly did dominate, but he wasn't satisfied, which for everything that I don't like about Deggs, I will always defend him on this. This guy is not going to get comfortable in just seeing a W on the scoreboard, and I really appreciate that. I also appreciate the fact that he's willing to say out loud that we have to be better, I have to do better. He always owns it for the most part. So i got to give him a shout-out on that. So Southern is what it is. Uh, it's good to see the basket going, but I'm not going to take a whole lot away from Southern's pitching. Uh, I was mostly just kind of taken away. Toit coming back and looking good. And then Fluno doing what he did was basically blow up. So we escape with a 10-5 win at home. Then we go to Northwestern. Or excuse me, Northwestern comes here and we we host them. And total domination. That was total domination. Bats did what they did. Northwestern has always been a pretty solid program that comes in here midweek. I think that they're not nearly as good this year as I expected them to be. Yeah, Maybe Northwestern
1: was, the, was like twenty-one and fifteen or something. Twenty-one like seventeen. So they were pretty, yeah, they were twenty-one and easy. seventeen. Okay, my fault on that. Uh,
2: still, you—I mean, it's not a, a good team. You do what you do at home against a not good team in the midweek. You spank them. So we did that. Pitching again. They were talking about the committee. The committee got their jobs done. So yeah, Nezu, Nezu comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deg says how good his, his changeup looks, and he's. Thrilled with the development of the changeup. You know, JT goes wild. The offense as a whole, just I mean, just bludgeon Northwestern. I mean, it's just is what it is. Who else do, 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 I don't have it in front of me. We had Moody pitch. I think so. Nezu started. I know Cash, Moody came in.
3: No, Cash came in for two innings.
2: So Steven Cash came in.
3: Moody uh, and then Tate.
2: Moody and then Tate. And Tate that was one of his better outings. He didn't throw a ton of pitches, but his his breaker looked alive, uh, for you know, lack of better terms good to see that but again i'd set it on the pod and i said it to you guys in private those games are meaningless to me at this point we got to win the sunbelt we are we got to get into the sunbelt conference tournament we need to win our sunbelt conference series that's what's important we come into friday and i think we all were well i don't know actually i don't think we talked about this i thought that we would out hit them i thought we'd win the series i think we'd take two of three i didn't expect the pitching to do very much but i thought our hitting would just kind of take over I don't like Potok all that much, and we destroyed him. Uh, they, I think they left him in a little too long. We got seven, five runs in one inning and two nickel and dime here and there. We slapped him around. At home, we typically do that to Coastal. No matter how good they are, no matter where we are, we typically play them pretty well. Friday night, guys got two out hits. Rock looked great. Brock had a couple of clutch hits. JT was good. Uh, Higgs continues to just destroy the baseball. The committee was what it was. It's kind of been the same thing as you know, Rawls comes in, gives up four. Uh, who relieved Rawls?
3: Toit. Yeah, Toit came in oh, for five. Oh, that's right. Yeah.
2: Toit comes in and holds the fort down for five. We we relieve him with... Oh, Fluminum Fluminum come came in. in
3: and faced, what, two batters? Okay, Game that's two why hits. I don't remember. Uh.
2: And then Marshall comes in, looks great for a while, and then gives up a three-run dong in the ninth. We end up escaping with an 11-9 victory if you guys want to spend some time on game one, I mean, it's the best one we played. So that's a victory thoughts on game one, Jerry, you go.
1: I got to tell you the atmosphere uh, in the, in the third inning, when we scored that, the five runs on those two outs, the Teague was loud. I I haven't heard. I was at the diamond club lunch today. And I told that to coach Deggs uh, when I was asking questions, I said, coach, that's probably like, I felt like I was at the old Teague in that third inning when, especially when JT's rounding third, And all of a sudden, you see Diggs. Diggs is literally running with him, waving him home. And the crowd's just going nuts. And, I mean, I'm losing my voice. Everybody around me, it felt like a regional game. And, you know, we haven't really seen that type of energy from – from the crowd in a long time. But at the same time, the team gave us something to to be excited about. When you had the number 16 team come into town and not only do you respond, you respond by I mean you punched them in the throat early, jumped to a nine to four lead. I think we jumped to an eleven to four lead or something like that. And we held the lead. And, you know, shout out to Dylan Toy coming in. I think it was like six scoreless innings. And then, you know, unfortunately that tragic uh yeah uh, we'll, injury he got. And we'll get we'll to talk that, in about a that after. Yeah. But overall, the Friday night game just kind of summarized what we were capable of doing this whole entire season. I mean, you hit the ball well. You got timely hits. I think we scored nine runs off of two outs, two out, two out situations, um, and and you held you held your own outside of that three run bomb you gave up in the ninth. So, uh, just a great win, a great atmosphere. Uh, I, I haven't experienced the Teague with that much energy at the Teague in a long time. That was nice to see. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I mean, I just that again, that game just summarized the type of team we have. I mean, it just goes, it it, it goes to show you that we could compete with anybody and beat anybody if we're, if our game is on. So um, that was a fun, that was a fun game, Josh. And I mean, you, you, you and Catherine, the kids were there and, and we were, we were having a good time. It felt like old times.
3: Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll talk about this later, how this whole weekend series was the epitome of our season because it had every everything that we have seen the entire season happened in three games this weekend um but you look you can't you can't complain offensively I, I guess if i could pick a spot that i would like to have seen Robichaud um be a little smarter at the plate i think he went 0 for 3 or 0 for 4 so that was a, a a little disappointing for me but jt i mean you look at debo um all the guys really just knocked the ball all over the place uh Again, like you said, Josh, it was disappointing in the ninth when you start. Oh, no, is this another two lane right where where we let them come back? But uh, thankfully, you know, after giving up that home run, Blake kind of clamped down and and we were we were good at that point. So all in all, again, um, that is a we've seen that a few times this season where we 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 blow out a team, then let them come back and almost win. So that's just part of why I say it's the epitome of our season, because that's just one of the things that we've seen. And it happened yet again.
2: Biggest topic of conversation outside of the win was what happened to Dylan Toyt as Jerry started to talk about. Um, There's a rumor out there that he was on a pitch count and we saw him go well beyond that. We saw him throw 62 pitches on pitch pitch number 61. He grasped at his elbow and, you know, Brian started to come out of the dugout and he waved him off. And I'm going to pause there before I complete my thought. Sometimes you got to protect kids from themselves. He's been out for a long time. He's a competitor. I understand all that. And, yeah, we want tough guys. And, yeah, we want guys that want to stay out there and compete. I get that. But sometimes you got to protect people from themselves. And I I really would have liked to see somebody go out there and talk to him. Because on pitch number 62, he looked like he snapped his arm in half. Now, he was in a sling on Sunday, you know, Craig said he was raking the mound with the other guys also, so I don't know what to take away from that. It looked like a – well, Jerry, I think Jerry kind of confirmed this, but it looked like a – or through the grapevine, it's a UCL issue. That could be really bad. could be, you know, just a couple weeks. But based on the reaction and based on some things that we've heard, I don't expect to see him back. We'll see. I just don't understand how you got a guy coming off of a major back injury who's been out almost seven weeks – come in, get ramped up two times in four days, uh, throw on two full days rest and throw 19 pitches and then 62 pitches. For me, especially if you're going to go by committee, which was the plan, what happened to the damn committee when you get, let this guy go five, five innings? And look, I understand you want to win. I want to win too. But something, something is amiss with that, with this one particular issue I did not like the way that was handled. I said as much on the board and I told you guys that. Where do y'all stand on the Toit thing?
3: Yeah, I, I'll just say, look, hindsight's 2020. <laughs> if he goes out and, and makes that, that next pitch and nothing happens and he comes out the game, we're not having a conversation. He might be a little bit sore. And uh but I look again, we we have been spoiled with a pitching coach as a head coach for so many years and i don't know look i'm with you again looking back at it yeah i I, they should have when he's when he's when he's in distress what do you got to lose
2: i mean he's coming off of an injury right and everybody knows that when you have an injury you overcompensate in other areas
3: well that's and that's what i was going to say i i you know have a stress fracture in my foot now my my sciatic nerve is is bothering me right so you, you compensate without even knowing it. Um, so it's it's unfortunate to see. I don't want to point fingers. I It's just by, if you're looking at big picture of how this season has gone pitching-wise for us and not laying the blame on anyone, but this is almost just like another thing that has us concerned, right? So we were concerned about the walks, and then we were concerned by the hit-by-pitches. And now we're concerned by you know, over-pitching a kid that's coming off of an injury. So... It just it's it adds up and and just plants that seed of doubt into your head of of do we know what we're doing? Um, so again, I don't think a single person on that coaching staff wanted to see that kid get hurt. No, and I'm and, not
2: insinuating that. No, by no, the no, way.
3: no. And I'm not saying you are, but I, but other others seem to think that uh, or insinuated that. But I think you look. It's it's a tough situation. And again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Looking back at it, I will tell you. I know Tib or, or, or Deggs probably would both go to you and say we should have pulled him and, or he should not have pitched that many pitchers or whatever they have to say. But it was a decision they made. They're going to have to own it. Unfortunately, Toy is going to have to suffer as a result. And and you just, got, you just got to hope and pray for the kid that he'll be okay and be able to continue his career as a pitcher.
2: And Jerry, let me set you up real quick. We literally just had a conversation last week about overusing pitchers. So it just compounds it for me. Because, you know, to use an old Jay Walker saying, we didn't second guess it. We first guessed it. We literally said, don't overuse them. This is a recipe for overusing. This is a recipe for pitching tired. We're not the only ones saying that out there either. So it compounded it for me, and I I just wanted to say that before you went.
3: But it's like, before you go, Jerry, it's like when I got in an accident in Houston, and I was stopped at a stop sign, and I saw somebody coming, and I said, they're going to hit me. And then I saw they didn't stop, and I said, they're going to hit me. And when they hit me, I was like, Damn it. I was so pissed because I saw it. I knew it was going to happen and it happened. So that's, that's kind of how I felt. Like we felt like, oh, you know, and I don't know. That's just kind of how I feel about the, how the season has gone.
1: Yeah. I think hindsight is 2020. Like you said, um, you, you keep it going because right now, you know, pitching hasn't been consistent and then you have a here, cause here's a guy that's just, I mean, he's just throwing rockets down the plate. He's, he's forcing pop-ups, getting outs, just shutting down, debatably the best hitting team in America or at least a team that's in the top three top four in America and in, in, in batting. so so you look at it and go, well, you know we're on a roll right now he's gunning him down we're trying to avoid a rally. let's keep him in as long as possible and you know maybe towards the sixth or seventh we'll ask him how you're doing you know how are you feeling and you know Dylan or any other pitcher is going to say I'm fine. Um, you know, I know they always say, well, pitchers and players know their body, but there's some that are competitors, you know, they can go in limping on the field and they'll still try to say, I'm good. So there's a, there's a, you know, uh, like you said, hindsight's 2020 there, but I think what's what what's kind of what's a little aggravating now is I look at it and I look and I've always said for the last month, the hard part of the is coming up. The hard part of the schedule is coming up. And now I look at it going, man, if if Dylan doesn't go down, he's very valuable in these next three weekend series where we're trying to not only make the tournament but get a decent seed. He would have been very valuable there, and now he, we just we can't use him. Uh, now he's hurt. So that's kind of tough to look at because sometimes I know anytime you set up a pitching staff, you know, there's some games you may give up and say, I need to win the series like we did on Saturday to look ahead to win the series or look ahead – to other games, one side of me says that you keep him going because he's on a roll. The other side of me says you pull him out on the pitch count because we're going to need him in the next three weeks. They rolled the dice. They tried going with him. Poor guy hurt himself, and now he's probably out for the year. So um, it's hard because I know we have some. I mean, look, as much as our pitching struggled, there we have guys that are hurt. Blake McGee he's hurt right now. Uh, Jake Hammond's still kind of hurt. You know, Dylan Toy's out. I mean, we're losing depth, you know, this late in the year that, 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 that seasonal stress is starting to eat into our, eat into our pitching and (laughs) we, we don't need that right now. So um, I think this week was a good week for the team to really not have a midweek game and just take the time off, focus on their exams and just kind of regroup, get some time to rest. And hopefully going into Monroe this weekend, I know Monroe's struggling like crazy. This is a perfect tune-up weekend for us to actually show up, play the base brand of baseball we know we can play, and just build some confidence, man. Go into Monroe and sweep them, build some confidence, because we all know Jerry, Jerry, it, the, the CDS. Say that the CDS is creeping in. The CDS is creeping in. They were oh, they're going to find a way to beat us. Well, we shouldn't let that happen. Well, it's you not CDS.
3: reality, Jerry. We're not a good we right now. We are uh, an okay baseball team because we've got the hitting. But like you said, we we cannot afford to lose guys and we're losing guys pitching wise. Well,
2: that's we're gonna we say, we had a substantial lead at the point that he snapped his elbow. We had a substantial You're telling me you can't go find one guy to keep a four-run lead intact? Come on. Come on. Well, why, that, that's not Dylan Toyt's fault.
1: Why do you think they kept him in so long? They kept him in so long because they knew that. Well, I, mean, I shouldn't <laughs> say on the air real. why.
2: Uh, because I don't want to get in trouble. I I think I know why, but I, you know, I'm not going to
1: say it. But but um you know, that that's why I think this week is crucial to just not have any midweek games, because you go to Monroe, then you go to Rustin, you get a four game stretch where, you know, the team really, you know, I say that well, I call it a tune up, I call it a weekend where we need to really regroup and, and and go up against a Monroe team that always plays up against us. This is a I mean, this is going to be a test and you have to go to Monroe And and play the brand of baseball you can play because the last two weeks aren't gonna get much easier. You've got Texas State coming, you got to go to Hattiesburg against Southern Miss, and you've got the tournament. So you if there's any weekend of of good baseball that you need to play, it's this weekend. And we could talk about, well, the at-large bits out the window. We could talk about we got to do this, 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 and this. What you got to do is you gotta play good baseball and you gotta find a weekend of consistency. And so, it, you get, again, you get five days off. The players get to focus on their finals. They'll be done by Friday or Saturday or whenever, or Thursday, I think. And they'll be able to just focus on baseball this weekend. And from a mental standpoint, I'm hoping that helps. Um, yeah, We'll look but, ahead
2: in just a minute. But So game one goes that way. Toy gets hurt. We ended up finishing it off. We get the W. Great. You get a win against top six team, top RPI, top 10 team. So that's great. And you come back on Saturday, and the committee strikes again. Committee wasn't good. Josh
1: loves the committee.
2: Well, because it's so absurd. It's such an absurd. <laughs> first of all, the people who call it the committee are annoying. But trust but the committee, Josh. The entire, the entire strategy behind the committee just annoys the hell out of me. It's so ridiculous. And I look, I understand that you say, look, it's not working. What we've been doing this year hasn't been working. So you got to do something differently. Yes, I, I do agree with that. But how about we define roles? How about do we just keep the roles defined and we give proper rest? That's what I would do. Even if, even, even if I get similar results. I mean, I didn't get much better results. You understand? You take away David Christie and you take away Dylan Toit and you got the same exact results that you had up until now. Nothing really changed. Now Moody also pitched pretty well, but but what what changed? Nothing. Two and a half guys. So, so, anyway, Saturday we come into it. Who started on Saturday? Nezu? Nezu. So Nezu, Nezu doesn't have quite the start you look for, and Degs is still talking about how great his, his changeup is. And I, I just, for the life of me, can't understand why you would say that in a post game when a dude gives up, what was it, five runs in two innings?
1: Well, okay, so, yes, he gave up five runs, but then we made that crucial error at second base. That pretty much, I mean, that could have been a double play. That could have changed the trajectory. I think once that happened and you loaded the bases or i think we had two men on i forgot but at that the point, double play you're talking about where we booted it we booted it and they, they scored four runs that inning i mean you get a double play and maybe one more out maybe it's maybe one or two runs instead of four i mean i think that that totally changed the tra- trajectory now granted you can't do that with our pitching staff i mean you know it i know it, <laughs> it it's just you can't even after jerry even
3: after an that error. even after that we go to the sixth and we're only down by one Right.
1: Well, if you but here's right the thing. After though, Julian
2: if, hits the home run, it's five to four.
1: Yeah. But here's the thing though. If you don't make that error in that inning and they score one or two runs, you might have the lead going into the sixth or going into the seventh. So but I think what Nick's but,
2: trying to say is that we were right in the thick of it into the fourth and fifth inning. And then you you go to who came in is was that when Fluno came in? Yeah, no, no, he came Ray, in on Friday. He came no, I
3: I think it was uh Ray came in. Tommy Ray comes up. in.
2: We kind of yeah. start to lose it, we'll start to wobble a little bit. And then after that, it was just a floodgate. Well, they, well you, you know,
1: gave away three three free bases. I mean, they didn't even. I well, do not even got a hit before the grand slam. You hit two guys. I think you hit two guys, and then you walked the a guy. Right. And then they hit a grand slam. <laughs> it's just, I mean,
2: but it, it this is it, this uh, is the story of the year. This is not like oh well you know shucks we could have got one out there we could have thrown a strike here. This is what we do. We give up milk money. Everybody does it it's 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 insanity. How it's the same pitcher every time you throw him out there, which tells me that it may not it may not actually be a talent issue. Maybe it's a strategy issue. Maybe it's a in-game play or uh, pitch calling issue. I'm not taking a shot at Tib. I'm just trying to think out loud. You give up 13 runs. Look, that's a good that's a good offense. I understand. But oh my gosh, you, you got to be better than that. And and again, I'll say Jackson Nezu is not a Saturday starter. we we've, we've We've been over this over and over and over. And I don't think he was terrible. I'm not trying to say that. We've been pretty pro-Jackson here. I just don't see, I, I don't see the the strategy with him and the way his stuff is with his propensity to have the flat fa- fastball against that offense. I'm not a coach. Just what I see, man. Just a fan.
3: Yeah, again, I'm going to say it, and you said it just now, that epitome of our season. <laughs> Friday night, we do that. We've done that a few times. Get blown out in the game. You know, free base runners come back to bite us. That happens in this game. And we all know what happens on Sunday.
1: Well, what you did on Saturday was you put a lot of pressure on the bats because you drop, you know, you make that error. It's five to one. Now you're playing catch up for like the next five or six innings. You bring the game within one after Julian Brock hits that moonshot to left field on a two run bomb and you have momentum back. In the very next inning, you give up a run. Then you go, three up three down and the following inning after that you give up six. So at that point you're putting all the pressure on the bats to expect them to do something for you because we're giving away freebies on the back end through our pitching. So it's just, and you're doing it against a team. That's, you know, a coastal team. That's very, very good. um, You know, that you can't, that there's no room for error for. and, And that's exactly what we did, what we weren't supposed to do. We did. And that's why we, you know, what was the final 13 to 5? I mean <laughs> Well that's
2: that is that is exactly what I'm saying. How demoralizing is it to fight back as an offense against a, a a great team. I don't know how great they are, but I think they're very very good. I thought Campbell was better, honestly. Uh but how how demoralizing for an offense to fight all the way back, get it to within a run, and the very next inning What What is Jerry laughing at?
1: I'm sorry, man. The comment cracked me up. I I caught that pretty quickly. That was pretty funny.
2: Ryan says, you a-holes act like you've never watched Zach Osborne (laughs) pitch on a Tuesday night before starting at Friday. Same with Austin, Hunter, Gunner, and the other past Friday night starters. Yeah, I know. I know, man. It's a novel Um, idea not to start your Friday guy on a Tuesday. Where's the sarcasm font there? Yeah. But anyway, it's demoralizing for an offense to to fight back, and then as soon as you get it within shouting distance, they give up a seven-run inning. That That's brutal. That's just absolutely brutal. So Saturday, we get our ass whooped. It's been an offensive series back and forth on a Friday and a Saturday. Then you come to Sunday.
1: Uh, real quickly, before we go to Sunday, I really enjoyed your in-game analysis on Raging and about the committee. <laughs> that was just Whenever we came up the seven-run inning. But the committee! <laughs> People
2: are just not very smart. <laughs> I, I just Anyway, so Christy comes out and once again raises the level of execution against a very good offense, which is mind-boggling because against Northwestern or whatever it was, we couldn't find the strike zone and then Christy comes in. I don't know. Sometimes maybe he's disinterested. I don't know. But when we play better offenses, it seems like he's he's one of the best pitchers <laughs> in the friggin' Sun Belt. So he comes out and does that. I mean, absolutely shuts down Coastal for six solid. Then we go to Marshall, I think. We, can't, we went straight Marshall, right? So we go to Moody. We go, we go. I'm sorry. It wasn't Marshall. We went to Moody. We went no, we didn't Marshall come in after Christie? You might be right. It all runs together, dude. Festival plus uh, baseball is a bad mix. But anyway, the point is that Christie came out and dominated the opponent like he did against the school across the basin, which gives me some confidence going into the tournament because we've got some good offenses in this league. If Christie can be that good, that's that's, uh, that's that bodes well for us. Uh, but anyway, he holds him down. He, he gives up one run through six. The relievers continued to do their job into the ninth inning. Hitters wasted some opportunities. We had the bases loaded with no outs in the sixth or the fifth. We got one run out of that because we grounded into a double play. Really, there was a couple of other opportunities that we had. Man on second with one out. Man on second with two outs. We just couldn't cash in that two-out hit, which we'd had been, we had been doing pretty good for the entire week up until that point. Now, give Coastal pitching credit. They did a great job of holding us down. It's two to one. Going into the bottom or the top of the ninth with two outs <laughs> with one strike and was it Beach that hit it out? Lucky. Lucky, of course. Lucky hits it out on a, uh, I think it was a 0-1 or a 1-1 count. 2-1 count. From from Blake Marshall who looked great but still gave up two home runs in in the ninth inning on Friday and Sunday. So, again, it's it's the high highs and the low lows with this team but how gut-wrenching. Now, I will say that was one of the better baseball games I've seen. I mean, I was watching it as I was walking around, but it it, yeah, it was, so was I. It, it was one of the better college baseball games, not just Cajuns games, but one of the better baseball games that I've seen in a very long time. And to keep that offense down to two runs through nine, uh, you know, eight and two-thirds, that, that's super impressive from the pitching staff. I wish the offense could have cashed in on a couple of those opportunities, but... That's gut wrenching, dude. You give up a home run to tie the game and then they score a run without a hit in the in the tenth or the eleventh. That's a brutal way to lose.
3: I think your, I think my my top three <laughs> most gut wrenching, and I'm not putting Jackson State loss in there because that wasn't gut wrenching. I was just pissed off. But it was number one has to be when we lost to Ole Miss in the super. Number two has to be when we lost to Arizona in the regional at home. Number three was that night, like that day, that, and, and again, we didn't have as much on the line or maybe we did cause we're still fighting for a freaking tournament spot, but it, it's almost like when you do something like that, when you're like, all you needed, well, you need your one pitch and the game is yours. And you, you take two out of three from a six ranked team. It, it's a punch in the gut. And then, and then to top it off, then you go to rock Rocco the next inning who who that ball i mean he had an extra you know biscuit that morning that ball is is over the wall and the guy robs you of a home run Oof. and at that point you're thinking what do we got to do and then doubt sets in not with me but with you you got to think doubt setting in you know this guy hits it out now Rocco gets robbed
2: it's what human do you nature to do it's human nature to think oh you got to be kidding me
3: so yeah that was that was one of the top 3 most gut wrenching losses that i've I think, ever witnessed. Fortunately, this one wasn't in person, so it was a little easier to kind of tune it out for the rest of the day. But
2: Well, and Nick, it's a series win against the number one team in the Sun Belt, number six team in the country. That I mean, that one play, if that ball is six inches higher, that one play changes the entire course of the season. And I'm talking about from a confidence standpoint, I'm talking about from a standing standpoint, everything. You know, you get swept by JMU and you, you don't even know what to make of that, but you come home and you, and you beat Coastal, I mean, that's that's a big time shift in the way that you see yourself as a team and the way the fans react.
3: It is, but because of James Madison, you're you still go into next week and going, Oh god, are we gonna do it again? Like oh, are yeah, we we're gonna, gonna get know? into that.
2: We're gonna get into so that in a second.
3: That again, I, I don't know, man. I just can't figure out this team. I mean, we it seems like I know you make your own luck. But it felt like even even this weekend, and, and James Madison, you know, how many times did you say against JMU, man, he hit a right to the guy. Oh, that was a great play. Oh, it, you know, it bounced their way. I mean, the same thing during this weekend series. You hit a, a what should be a double play, and, and that gets blown up, and then you hit uh, a ball that bounces off a second base. Like, how many oh, times yeah. have we seen that? Never. Yeah. So it seems like everything we tried to do just went the other way, and bes- despite that, we won on Friday night. But – my fear is for the rest of the season that's starting to set in. It's setting in with me, and I'm a fan, and it's okay for it to set in with me. I can have CDS, but when it start, you feel like it starts creeping into the players' heads. That that to me is what I'm scared about going into the next couple of weekends. Is that are they letting that get into their mind? It's human nature. You you have to fight it. Do we have that fight to fight through that? I don't know.
1: Well, I think what hurts on Sunday was as much as we talk about pitching, pitching, I mean, they were lights out. They were lights out against one of the best hitting teams in the country. You held them to one run with, you know, at 26 outs, one run, that's it. And yet the bats couldn't hit Sunday pitching to get more than two runs. That was frustrating. And I think that what hurts so much is there are going to be days when the bats are off, but to not, to have some opportunities in the sixth inning to have some opportunities uh, I think it was either in the ninth or the 10th where you had a guy on second, you couldn't score. I mean, we were 0 for 11, I think with runners in scoring position on Sunday, we couldn't get that extra run. And that was that, that one hurt because the pitching, I mean, it was lights out. David Christie pitched a gem of a game and they did more than enough to carry our team into a win. And yet the bats just couldn't get the timely hit. You know, Tony used to talk about it all the time. Good pitching, good defense, both of which were there get the timely hit. Well, in that case, you're two out of three. So, you know, it, 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 it's a bummer because it's late in the year and it's crunch time. I guess the small silver lining made me realize that, you know, we can play with anybody in the country. I mean, it showed this weekend that, I mean, we should have taken two out of three against the number six team in the country. I mean, two weeks ago, you beat the number one team in the country. We could play with anybody when our game is on. The problem is, is we're so inconsistent that our game hasn't been on when we needed it to be the most. Um, But, you know, the Sunday game wasn't – it was heartbreaking for me. I think it's. I think the question I had after the game not wasn't necessarily just the fact that we had just so much bad luck between the Rocco home run, Rob, and then the two the two out home run, you know, from Coastal in the ninth. The question for me was: is when can we just put it all together? When can we just have all three phases just just go together? I mean, if we could do that, this team can be dangerous. But we just haven't had that consistency of putting all three phases together. We, you know, I mean again, this weekend on Friday, you hit the ball. Well, you played good defense. Your pitching was okay, but you got it done Saturday. You couldn't pitch. You made some errors in the field, but you hit the ball well enough to stay in the game. And the bats just ran out of energy. And then Sunday again, you got the, you, you, you pitched well, you got good defense, but you couldn't hit. I mean, all three phases were inconsistent all three days. And that's where I think I just ask like, man, if we could just put it together uh, what can this team be? And unfortunately, time's running short. You know, time's running out. So, so I was about to say know. that. We're May 2nd. We're fighting. Yeah, Time's no, running know, out, man. Middle,
3: low of the pack of getting into the conference tournament, and we're still trying to put it together?
2: Yeah, we've been the same team for three years. We put it together for four days or three days in a Sunbelt Conference tournament last year. And then we played well in the regional too, so I don't want to take that away from them. But we've been inconsistent for three years. We've, we've done this for three years. We've been the same team. Faces have changed. Results are the same. Now, you can look at the win-loss, and yeah, we're going to probably win more games. Strength of schedule is also way less, or way higher, I, sh- I should say. So that matters. I'm not trying to shit on what they're doing. not trying to do that. I'm just telling you the facts. It's, it's not fair to talk about all these other things and not bring the facts to the table. We're in May, and we still are trying to figure it out. Same team. Three years. But... That, that kind of brings us to our next topic. All right. We got 10 games left. We're going to go to ULM. We're going to come back and host Texas State. Uh, in between that, we're going to play the Rustonians in Ruston. And then we're going to go to the Pete in Southern at Southern Miss and Hattiesburg and play a team that's really starting to figure out who they are. 10 games. We're fighting for our conference tournament lives, which is just ridiculous to even say with this lineup. Where are we going to be in ten games? Uh, Jerry and I kind of talked about this on the phone. He's looking at maybe seven and three. I said, "Look, man, five and five is really the reality." And and I'll break it down for you. You go to ULM ULM for three. I think they take one from us on the road. I think I think Rustonia has a good chance to beat us in their place. They're playing better baseball down the stretch. They're also fighting for their lives. I'm not afraid of Texas State at the Teague. I think we take two or three from them. I hope. But I got to tell you, USM, they own us at Pete Taylor Park. They just do. That's a fact. If we can take one, I mean, at this point, you feel good about that. That's five and five. I don't think that that's an unreasonable assumption or prediction or however you want to look at it. If if we're five and five, I'm, i am we're on the borderline of making the conference tournament. So I'll just throw that out there y'all want to comment on it that's where we're at
3: yeah reality right um i don't know man i i mean i don't disagree with anything that you said i don't have any expectation of going better than 5 and 5 with the possibility of doing a little bit worse cuz we could go to southern miss and get swept so it's uh yeah it's it's humbling to think that we're Three series left into the season, and with the tremendous talent that we have at the plate, we're having this conversation today. Um, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's one of those things where you, at the beginning of the season, you had so much promise. I mean, there was a lot of promise at the beginning of the season, but we still had the question marks with the pitching, which we still do, which you thought you would have had figured out by now, right? You figured – Somewhere along the season, somebody would would step up. Nobody did for one reason or another, whatever, whatever you want to think on that. But again, it's humbling to think that we're nine games away from eking into the conference tournament or just not being in it at all. And that's that's a tough pill to swallow from where we were this point last season. And 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 give me this point last season, we were Competing, we were we were on the upswing. We felt um, and got a little humbled at Texas State, but still, you figure four years into this regime, you we're you know competing for a regional on a regular. Not to say we won't, we could win the damn tournament this this year again. But there is Nick, not that Nick, comfort. Think about
2: think about where where how excited we were when we found out that Julian was coming back. I know think about man. how excited Rocko? we were when we found out that Rock wasn't going to transfer because those were the rumors at the time. Think about how excited, when, when, um, when I saw John Taylor in the fall, I said, oh gosh, this guy's a ball player. We're about to shore up this lineup. We thought Connor Higgs was going to have a big step, uh, take a big step. Now, he didn't play half the year, which is still mind-boggling to me, but the lineup, amazingly, is still getting better. Think about how we felt then, how we feel about the lineup now, and think about where we are results results. You know, we were first
3: place a couple weeks ago in, right. in the conference, and now we're questioning whether we're going to make the tournament where where is the disconnect there where is it that that's what i can't figure out i don't understand the disconnect i think it's from uh we still don't know who our starting pitchers are on a weekend i think you still don't i i think that plays a big part into it but it's look if if the team would come out like they did on friday night every night of the year it's it's a different season for the rest of the season if we come out like we did friday night but we saw Friday night that came out that way and not necessarily Saturday. So I don't know, man, it's, it's this, this one's tough for me. I don't know how to put it into words. Like I, it's, it's mind boggling is, is the best way I can put it.
1: I think it all depends on the next four games. Um, I mean, you go to Monroe, they're struggling right now. Uh, But we know that they always find a way to take one from us. So it's going to be interesting to see how well we play in this three game series. I mean, we could go there, maybe lose a series or we can go in there and sweep them. I mean, you just never know. And then following that you go to Rustin for a, a one Tuesday night game and you just, that's a coin flip as well. You know, we've actually played well up in Rustin, and then some games we've lost in extra innings in Rustin. I mean, they've had to walk us off a few times up there. So you really don't have, it's not like they've dominated us in the midweek. I mean, we've actually gotten the better of them over the last couple of years. Um, but that's going to tell us a lot. I mean, these next four games are all winnable games. But if you want to set the tone and you want to create momentum going into those final, that going into that final stretch, you got to win out of these next four games a minimum of three of them. Minimum. If we don't, then that five and five record, Josh. I mean, it may be five and five, it may be worse. So I'm not ready to really judge the last ten games yet because I want to see what we're going to do this weekend and in Tuesday and on Tuesday in, in Ruston. If, if we can go. By some miracle four and four, four for four, I'm gonna feel really confident in my seven and three prediction. But if we go two and two or three or two and two or less, uh that's gonna spell some trouble. Uh we have a pitching staff that is inconsistent and some of them are injured. We have some injuries. That's gonna be interesting to see how our pitching does this weekend. Um, uh, you know, with Jake Hammond and Blake McGeehee, two of which are our weekend starters, they're out for right now. Uh, we're going to see who's going to be able to step up. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to be going back to this pitching by committee model. See how that works. So I, I don't know. Spoiler I'm, alert: I'm, It doesn't. Well, we're, I mean, that's what we're, that's what we're doing. So you just do what you can with what you got. I really don't know what to expect this weekend. I do expect, I, I expect us to go three for three. I do. I mean, we're good enough to do it. Monroe is struggling. If we want to make a run, if we want to be capable of being a postseason team, that's what you have to do. So the next four games it's the next four games will tell us what type of finish we have to the regular season if, but what, if we go honestly
2: what, are, I mean, what is it going to tell us though? this is an honest question.
1: Is it going to tell us that we're good enough
2: to beat a very, very average tech team and a very, very average ULM team? ULM's got some nice wins on the resume this year. They're not the ULM of old. It's not really going to tell me anything. It's going to say we're capable of playing up to our potential for four games. Okay, sweet. But I'm. Not, what am I going to learn? Am I going to learn that we have a starting rotation? I don't think we. I don't think we're going to learn that. Are we going to learn that our offense is any better? I don't. I don't think it can be any better. I think we played about as good as we can play this weekend. I don't know how much I'm going to learn from going four and zero. Which, by the way, I don't think we will. But I think we know who we are. I guess is the point I'm trying to make.
1: Well, we know who we are, but at the same time, you're still going four games on the road and, and three of which are conference games. And you got one that is, a, is kind of a, a rival. So you, you still, I, I think going, going into this four game road stretch, you know, if you were able to go four for four, that's not only a good thing, but that just goes to show you that this team is still, um, th- th- there's still, there's still a lot of hope. And, 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 if you could go four for four and then you have a a three game series against Texas state and you're able to continue that momentum from those four games, then you might be able to finish stronger. You know? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I understand your point of view of being inconsistent. There's no doubt we're inconsistent. Well, we've lost Um, four
2: of our last five conference series. You can't get more, much more inconsistent than that.
1: But now's just not the time for us to, to struggle in these next four games. I mean, you just, you can't. I mean, we have no option. We have no choice. We cannot struggle these next four games. We can't.
2: Yeah. You're right. mean, losing if, four
3: if, out of five is consistent, Josh. It's consistently bad. Consistently
2: bad. No, but, that's very true. I mean,
3: I think, but but Jerry, to your point, I, I do think it'll tell you, what it'll tell me on the next four games is how do they respond after that heartbreaking loss? That's what it's going to tell me, right? It'll tell me, I I, maybe it'll tell us if we have a rotation. I don't know. I mean, are we still doing the committee thing or have we settled on anybody that's still out there? Right. So will that tell us anything different? I don't know that, but I I guess the only thing I'm looking for is how are they going to respond after that heartbreaking loss on Sunday? Well, keep in mind uh,
2: you you got finals this week, so their minds are elsewhere. So maybe that's a nice reset Yeah, or maybe it's a good distraction, whatever you want to call it. I still don't think you can sleepwalk through ULM. I'm sorry, I, I've seen them play good, decent baseball. They beat they swept Tech this year, they've got some decent wins on the schedule. I think they beat Alabama. I, I they can play, they're, they're not horrible.
1: You can't sleepwalk against anybody, you you, you can't. I mean, <laughs> it's a conference series and it's on the road. Um,
2: and they're licking their chops because they know we're down
1: and they know we're inconsistent at times. And the thing is, again you know if we want to finish strong going into the conference tournament we can't afford to lose any games against them i mean it's a all three games are must wins i mean you have to win all three games you cannot slip up in any of those three games you just can't not not if you're trying to achieve what we're trying to achieve
2: that is correct. All
3: right. The fact well, that we're having this conversation just pisses me off. It makes me it's so scary, angry. man. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's it's a it's it's scary. I going mean, into it,
2: JMU, we're number one in the conference, and now we're talking about making. But but
1: it's but it's reality, like you said, it's reality, and unfortunately, we're facing the music, and now we're saying, okay, based off of the scenario and situation we're in right now, what do we do with it?
2: Well, going forward, I mean, we just got to win. I think five and five is probably what you're looking at. Hopefully it's seven and three. That would be one hell of an accomplishment because that means winning Texas the Texas State Series, uh, sweeping the ULM series, or at least getting two out of three, I guess, and then winning the uh, Texas State uh, series as well at home, which I think we will do by the way. Uh, and then we'll probably need some help ahead of us if we if we end up five and five, we'll need some help ahead of us, I think. <laughs>
1: I, I'm curious to see what the conference matchups are, because even though we have that mumbo jumbo going around right now in the conference where everybody has similar records, that's going to eventually kind of tear apart once teams start playing each other. I mean, look, we're, we're neck and neck with Texas State. We're neck and neck with Southern Miss. We play both teams. So we that's really true. control our own destiny there. Just don't lose the series.
2: Anyway, uh, boys, you have any parting shots before we let the folks go?
3: Yeah, just want to get your guys' take on uh, rumors that uh, Tulane is in the conversation for joining the Pac-12. I um, Think that'll impact our conference whatsoever?
2: I think we talked about this last year. Uh, Jerry and I actually talked to somebody who would know, and they basically said there are way too many people ahead of them in line. I think, hopefully this is a prophecy, but I think that Tulane ends up in the Big 12, in the, re- in the reshuffle of everything.
1: I think Tulane would be interesting. I think Tulane would probably talk to the Big 12. I think if the Pac-12 goes after anybody, I think it'll be either like San Diego State or somebody on the West Coast. Agreed. Maybe Nevada, Boise State, someone like that just for travel reasons. Um I, I, Tulane and the Pac-12 just it, it's a weird fit. It's just well, the whole thing is awkward.
2: Academically it's a perfect fit. Academically but, it's a perfect but fit. But
3: here's my question and this is why I asked it. Do they go does the AAC if Tulane leave Go after a Louisiana team to fill
1: that void. And here's the question: be? Here's the question. If you if it's Louisiana, would you want to take it? That that was my next question.
3: Because you're, you 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 got to think not only in the terms of if you're invited will you take it, but we talked about the nine million dollar shortfall. They're, they've got more media money on their end, so you got to think it better, from th- those terms.
2: But will it always be better?
1: But will it always be better?
2: Larger markets though. There there are larger markets. There's no question about that.
1: Well, you're going in, you're going in without Cincinnati. No more Houston. No more no more UCF. Uh you're going in now with FAU. You're going in with North Texas. Uh Charlotte. Would you rather play them over App State? I'm you not know. talking
3: about who would you rather play? I'm thinking for the health of your program yeah. to get more money do you just bite the bullet if invited and go to the AAC or do you here, stay here's, put and hope for the here,
1: best? Here's a situation. Conference USA had the same approach back in 2011, 2012, and look at where they're at now because of the, uh, the choices that they made there.
2: It's an interesting conversation. I'm sure we'll talk about it more as this heats up. Realignment is certainly not dead. It'll happen soon again. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us. It's been another fun edition of the show. Please rate, review. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, all that stuff. Nick does all that, so I don't even know what all we're on. Uh, we appreciate you, sh- uh, as always, appreciate the support. Tell a friend, tell anybody who's interested in Cajun athletics that we do this. We're here to uh, to engage with the people. And uh, look, we'll see you guys after ULM. Hopefully, it's uh, a sweep. But again, in baseball, you never, you never predict that. Except you're Jerry. Jerry does. But other than that. We'll see you guys next week. Go Cajuns.